0: tonight and uh, get ready to worship the Lord. We're going to sing some old hymns of the church, a couple old hymns of the church, and then we're going to sing some praise and worship songs uh, tonight as well. And so let's worship the Lord this evening. I'm going to ask Pastor Calsy if he would pray for us this evening. Brother Calsy, would you?
1: And let's remain standing in worship. He's the great shepherd. lift your hands all over the house and just sing this together. For his name is wonderful. Oh, can you declare it? His name is wonderful. Oh, let's sing it to the Lord. He master. Master of everything. His name is wonderful. Jesus. Very reverent. Can we declare he's the great shepherd? We know he's the great well for he's the rock of all ages. The rock we sing Jesus. There's something, but there's something, there's something about, about that. Name. Oh, let's declare His name, is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, so we sing. Declare kings and kingdoms. Will kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's we'll something about that day. Kings and kingdoms. Something about the name. course again surely the present Thank yeah. you. surely the presence of the Lord is in this place.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you today that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Lord, we have experienced you in a powerful way this morning and we fully expect, though there may not be as many a number tonight, you are no less God. You can do exactly what you need to do even in this service tonight. God, there might be someone watching right now online or going to go watch this service later in this week. They need to hear a word from you. Lord, I know there's nothing like joining together in the body of Christ in-house, but your hand is not too short that it can't reach down on somebody's bed of affliction or in their home and touch them right where they are. So God, as we get ready to break the bread of life, not only let us be hearers but doers thereof take your coals from the altar of heaven and anoint this mortal man's lips of clay and let me be hidden and you be glorified for that we praise you in Christ's name we pray and ask and the people of God said amen amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord just for a moment if you have your Bibles you can turn to the book of John chapter 2 while you're turning there let me give you a little bit of housekeeping items for those joining online don't forget you can always download the Our Church app search Santi Circle C-O-G dot uh, you can also on the app you can also just search for Santy Circle C-O-G in your Apple or Google you download the Our Church app first then you search that all our services are categorized on Google and Apple Podcast for you to go back and watch and or listen at your convenience as always there's multiple ways to give uh, don't forget we'll finish the last part of our spiritual detox next Sunday morning Uh, with uh, Avoiding the Relapse Part 3 we had a lot of people out today, uh, some that wanted to be here but still battling sickness people like Brother uh, Robert Powers who's battling COVID and uh, that's where he was at today Uh, and others the Carlson family is recovering from being sick, just trying to take care of themselves we had quite a few folks that uh, reached out to us after the morning worship service said from online perspective they said I know it's not the same of being there but I felt the presence of the Lord even where I was at today while y'all were having church. Now that may not sound like a big deal to you but that lets me know God's not short, His hand's not short, He can't find where people are and get to them. They may not be here but He can get to them. He can get to them. And so to all those watching online tonight, please don't think that just because you're at home or whatever God can't come into your living room or your bedroom or your, wherever you're watching on your phone if you have a need, the same God that's in this house can come into your house and make a difference. Amen? We believe that? I believe that. So we appreciate that. Can we just welcome all our online guests with us tonight? With that. John chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you just briefly to rest on your feet just for a moment. I won't make you stand long. If you'll rest on your feet for just a moment. The word of the Lord. And then you can sit a while and I'll remain standing for you it was the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee the mother of Jesus was there both Jesus was called and his disciples to this marriage and when they wanted wine the mother of Jesus said unto him they don't have any wine he said unto her what have I to do My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatsoever he tells you to do, you do it. And there were set six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing three to four fur skins apiece. About 20 to 30 gallons per pot. Jesus said to them, Fill up the water pots with water. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw it out, take it to the governor of the feast, and they bore it. When the ruler of the feast tasted the water, that was made wine, and knew not whence where it was, but the servants which drew it, the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, Every man at the beginning doth set up forth the good wine, and when everybody is well drunk, they can't even tell anymore. They give you the junk wine they give you the leftovers that they're just trying to get rid of the cheap walmart brand brand, because you wouldn't know it but you have kept the best wine until now the lord will help me for the next few moments i want to finish the message i started last week between nehemiah and john what happens when you're the bearer of an empty cup what happens when you're the bearer of the empty cup father i pray in this moment Your word would speak to our hearts. And you would let us hear from you, not from me, but from you. Let us not be hearers only of this word, but doers likewise. In Jesus' name we pray and ask And the people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Last week I read to you out of Nehemiah chapter 1. I told you around 446 B.C in about the month of November or December, the month of Chislev, in the Sushan area of the Persian Empire, there was a king, Artaxerxes, who was in reign, and he had a chief cupbearer, a king's right-hand man. And the job of a cupbearer was to taste the wine or the drink of whatever choice before the king got it, so if it was poison, the cupbearer would die and not the king. It was just kind of a hired servant or a helping hand. It was like, you know what, he drinks and he dies, I'll find another replacement, but at least I'm not dead. That was kind of the mentality. At that particular time, the Israeli people had been in captivity and there had been a great dyspora or dispersion, if you will. The great dispersion It has been taught in Western civilization for ages of when a mighty king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar the first of Babylon the Empire and somewhere around the modern day area of Iran and Iraq. Had a beautiful garden called the Hanging Gardens that he had built for his wife. And this beautiful garden that he had created became at that time one of the wonders of the world. It would be the equivalent of one of the seven wonders of the world. Everybody marveled at this. And Jerusalem had become under captivity of Babylonian rule. And over the years Babylon through Babylon uh, through uh, uh, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar uh, reign but during one feast, particular feast when Belshazzar was having a feast and he had gotten real drunk he decided that it would be a good idea to go get the golden goblets from the temple and to drink out of them and to desecrate the things that God had set aside as holy and make them unholy. In fact God told Moses and I'm setting this story up because it all kind of correlates All the way back in Exodus. In Exodus when they finally finished everything that they needed to finish for the dwelling place of the tabernacle. And when they got the porpoise skins and all of the the, the curtains hung. And they had all the golden rings and the bars put to hold it up. And they got into the Holy of Holies. The Bible said God told Moses to bring Aaron and his sons before the people. They made him change their clothes. Even made him change their undergarments so they had pure clean undergarments. God didn't want to leave anything uh, no stone unturned. They consecrated him immediately after that. The Bible said after the art of the apothecary that God instructed Moses to go and take that same anointing oil that he anointed Aaron with and go anoint every vessel that was to be in the house of the Lord. Every silverware, every knife, every fork, every spoon, every plate, every cup, anything that was going to house the table of showbread, anything that the priests of God would eat out of, drink out of. God wanted to consecrate it as holy unto the Lord. Can I tell you that there's something to still be said in the modern day that we live in where God still is looking for holy things. He's looking for a holy people. He's looking for a holy church. He's looking for things that have been consecrated for the master's use. God is looking. The things that God calls, he He cleanses. And the things He cleanses, He anoints. And the things He anoints, He uses. God has to make sure that it's right before He can use it. He doesn't use sin. He doesn't use things like that. He has to take a broken vessel, according to Jeremiah, break the pot, and he has to put all those broken pieces of our lives back on a potter's wheel and make something beautiful out of all the ashes of our lives because God has to have full control, not partial control of someone's life. And the Bible says that they anointed all of these vessels. And that's the way it was supposed to be. Well, Belshazzar thought it would be a good idea to make a mockery of the things of Jehovah God of Israel so he summons them to bring out all of the royal treasuries of these goblets and they start drinking out of them and while they're drinking Sister Ann the Bible said the figure of a man's hand appeared on the side of a wall and began to etch tene, tene, mesh kalanish, and started writing in their language that literally said no one could interpret in fact, Belshazzar called all of his wise men, or if you would, his, his, his uh, magicians and, and, and wise counselors and said, what does that say? He was so fearful because everybody saw the hand and the handwriting on the wall. Nobody knew the answer. They summoned Belshazzar, who happened to be surnamed Daniel, and brought him in. And Daniel said, the number means the days of your kingdom are numbered and the Persians will take your life this night. And that very evening Darius, known as Darius the Great, comes riding in with the Medes and the Persians. This is all history. You can go look this up in Western Civilization. You don't have to just take the Bible's word for it. It's in history books. We, We teach this at collegiate levels in history. Darius rides in with the Medes and the Persians. He overthrows the Babylonian Empire and the Persians. If you remember, taking a step back, Before all this happened, Belshazzar's father, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream one night where he saw a statue. And the different pieces of the statue had different pieces of iron. Some was copper. Some was tin or aluminum. Some was stone. Some of it was gold. And and it represented various kingdoms and how the trajectory of the fall, the great fall of Babylon, would take place. When the Medes and the Persians took over, Cyrus the Great eventually comes to power. Cyrus the Great is the same one who gave instructions for the people of God to go back and start working on the temple again. Cyrus the Great gives people like Ezra, another book in this Bible, a prophet and a priest, a Levite. Cyrus the Great sends him and some others back to the land of Canaan to try to build back all that had been destroyed under the captivity reign of Babylon and the Medes and the Persians. So some of them got left in Babylon. Some of them like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah or what we call Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They all were in Babylon. Some of their family got left in Jerusalem. And the, the histori- uh, historians have called it the great dysphora or the great dispersion of the nation. Well we get to Nehemiah the contemporary of Ezra. And Nehemiah has a brother Hananiah that comes in. Somebody says, hey, Nehemiah, one of your brethren from Israel has come. And Nehemiah flies out of the royal courtyard, runs into the, flies out of the royal palace into the royal courtyard, expecting to hear exciting news, Brother Stan. But he sees sadness on the face of his brother. When Nehemiah says, how's it going? Hananiah says, the city's in ruins. We're vulnerable. The enemy could come take us out at any moment. We're a sitting duck, we're literally a sitting duck for anyone who wants to take us. We have no protection, we have no no walls, we have nothing. We've tried but we don't have the resources, we don't have the means, We we don't have the finances, we don't have enough stuff. Can I tell you whether you're watching online or you're watching in the house tonight, you don't have to have enough stuff. God's got more than enough than you could ever ask or think according to His riches in Christ Jesus. I may not have a dime to my name but my Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My father walks on streets of gold. My father has gates of pearl. My father has walls of jasper. My father builds mansions, not mobile homes. I don't care. I'm not knocking people with mobile homes, but I'm telling you, God has no limit in what He can do. God can give whatever He needs to give, and God can take whatever He needs to take. But one day, Jesus said to the to the disciples, He said, "But I go that I prepare a place for you. That when I'm done, I will come again and receive you." Un- to myself that where I am you may be also. Thomas said Lord how are we going to get to that place and Jesus said I am that way and the truth and the life except anyone come to the Father except by me they cannot enter in. What am I telling you? I'm telling you it can look like the enemy is looking at you like a sitting duck you can look vulnerable right now you can say COVID's running rampant you can say my finances are in disarray you can say pastor my marriage is falling apart or my children is walking Walking away from the faith but I'm telling you even if you feel like you are vulnerable and even when it looks like you're surrounded by the host of the enemy what you don't realize is there's a host of heaven's army that is encamped all around about you and they will make sure that you make it through to the other side I remember the prophet of God with his servant when the servant looks out over the mountain and says, "There's a lot of them than there are of us," and the Bible said the prophet of God said, "Lord, open his eyes." And when the Lord opened the servant's eyes, there was an angelic band that was around the enemy's camp, and he said, "No, there's actually more fighting for us than's fighting for them." can I tell you the the Bible tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for but the confident assurance or evidence of things not seen I may not always see my guardian angel I may not always see heaven's host of army but the Bible said Jesus made this promise I will never leave you nor forsake you I am as close as the mention of thy name I'm telling you you may not be able to say a lot but if you can just utter the sweet name of Jesus that's all the devil has to hear to shudder that's all he has to do to tremble that's all you have to say to get the demons of hell to leave you alone because there's no other name under heaven and earth by which men must be saved but it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father I don't have to know a lot I just gotta know who Jesus is in my life that's all I have to know so Nehemiah gets this sad news He says, okay. He tries to keep his composure, but if you ever met someone, they just can't hide their expressions very long. They just can't. Nehemiah keeps going to do his day-to-day. He was faithful. We talked about it last week. He was faithful doing the job. But one day the king noticed something wasn't right with him. He wasn't normal. He said, what's wrong with you? And so he tells him the story. And the Bible said God gave Nehemiah favor in the eyes of the king. That the king ended up helping fund this journey to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. He gave him a writing, if you will, or with his own pen and signet ring stamp, safe passage to get back to Israel. He let him leave his post of duty until further notice. Our our prayer ministry here at the church is called the Nehemiah ministry because it's taken out of a scripture in Nehemiah that says this. With one hand they built the wall but with the other hand they held a sword. Because right now we're building a kingdom for the Lord in the middle of a dark world. We're literally sitting in enemy territory trying to build a kingdom for God while the enemy is perched on the outside trying its best to shut us down. But the Bible says that while they worked, when Sanballat and all of them came and tried to discourage them, Nehemiah said, don't listen to what they're saying. You just keep doing what God told you to say. Can I tell you, I don't care what the governor of California says. And please don't take this out of disrespect. I really don't even care what the president of the United States says. If they're going against the word of an almighty God, their opinion really does not matter to me. Because God called me to a higher power. I report to a higher deity. I report to someone a whole lot more than someone living in Pennsylvania Avenue. I report to the king of of all kings I'm the Lord of all lords and I don't plan on staying here long enough anyway so foreclose on my house and take it anyway because my house is just sticks and mortar and stone and brick as it is now but I'm going to a mansion I'm going to a city not made by hands I'm going to a city that's been built by God's own hands that holy white city then I'm going to a new Jerusalem that has no control on what this world has to offer me here and he Nehemiah says, with one hand, they built, they worked, they advanced the kingdom. But with another hand, they were always ready to fight if they had to. See, we're living in a day and an hour, the Bible tells us in Galatians and Ephesians. When the Bible describes in Galatians the fruit of the Spirit, it tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And what's the other one, Micah? Self-control. 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 Self-control, people forget that one. I just read it to you this morning. A man who cannot control his own spirit is like a city who is broken down. Remember what it said. If you cannot control your own spirit, you are like a city that has broken down walls. What are you talking about tonight? A city that we found out has broken down walls. But Ephesians says this. Gird up yourself with the armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the belt of truth. Make sure you got the shoes shod with the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. But there's one one more part of this. There's a sword. That's it. The sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. In fact, when Jesus was tempted three times in the desert, He did not answer Satan out of flesh. He quoted the Word of God of God in fact we have to remember that while we're building the kingdom of God in the middle of the enemy's territory while the sand of our lives are discouraging us trying to stop us trying to shut us down we might be trying to build God's kingdom with one hand, but we've got to have a sword uh, in the other. We've got to be ready to stand up. And when the devil comes against us, we got to be ready to say, He who began a good work is faithful to complete it to the very end. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. If God be for me, who can be against me? I plead the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of your peace was laid upon my shoulders and by my stripes you can claim healing we got to say we got to walk in the enemy's territory and said let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind we have to walk into the enemy's territory and say I'm going to take back what is rightfully mine I you're my children don't belong to you devil my marriage doesn't belong to you devil you're my finances don't belong to you devil but it belongs to God who sits above heaven and earth and if God is in control then I'm gonna be alright I'm gonna make it cause when the enemy comes in like a flood God will raise a standard up against him and when I don't know what else to do and with utterance's groanings and crying the Holy Spirit will pray on my behalf and the Bible said when you don't know what else to do stand still and see the salvation of the Lord sometimes we don't have to fight we just got to be ready if we have to call to serve we just have to be ready Nehemiah takes them there. I told you last week that there was the failed plans the city was supposed to already have been restarted the process but it was in ruins. I talked to you last week the start of what I just read to you tonight. Jesus had just come out of a temptational period a dark season one of the challenging seasons he had faced so far in his journey if you will of being God God incarnate after he comes out of a Extreme 40 days of extreme tempting. He gets invited to a wedding, a party. He's excited about it. The disciples are excited. I'm sure maybe they knew somebody. Maybe it was a cousin. Maybe it was a brother. We don't know who. Some scholars believe Mary might have been the, the if you will, the wedding event planner, coordinator because they came to her to tell them there was nothing to drink. There was no wine. Normally in that day you would have went to the person who's the main per the, the, the planner, the coordinator. You know, and. 34 days from now, when Brian and I stand in Dorchester South. Carolina, if something goes south, they're not going to knock on the bridal suite and say, hey, Brian, we just want to let you know that the, the barbecue's not here yet. They're not going to do that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go to the Gwen coordinator and say, where, where, where is the barbecue supposed to be? Or where is the flower supposed to go? They're not going to come bother her the entire time because there's we have hired coordinator. Her job is you make sure that it runs while we have to do what we have to do. That's what we contracted you to do see we don't know if Mary was that or not but they came to her I told you last week when you don't know what else to do go to Jesus because when she heard we got a lot of empty vessels there is a room full of potential but there's nobody in the room that can fill them like you can Lord think about this for a moment Lord there's a lot of empty vessels I know we're talking about physical cups But metaphorically speaking, there's a lot of potential in this room, Lord, but only one person in this room can fill every one of them back up. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people right now that are empty vessels. Their lives are failed plans. Their homes are failed plans. Their jobs are failed. There's a lot of people that are dry and barren, and nobody will be able to fill them up back with the joy of the Lord like Jesus can. She says, we have nothing to drink. She tells Jesus that I want to pick up tonight about, what if you're the bearer of forgotten promises? Promises God's already given, but you forgot about them. You say, Pastor, how do you figure? Watch this story. I know I'm throwing a lot of information out at you, but just, listen, just, just track with me, please. The wine runs out. Now Nehemiah, he knows the story. Quickly to tell about him. He knows that he's God said that he's going to always have a remnant. He's always going to have a nation. So Nehemiah had kind of forgotten about it. He was upset. The Bible said he cried for days until the king figured out something was wrong and sent him on his way. Nehemiah had kind of forgotten about the promises of God making Israel come out of captivity. The Lord had prophesied that eventually one day he would restore the nation. Do you realize it wasn't until 1948 that it became an actual promise fulfilled? Because in 1948 the nation of Israel became an organized nation. They were nationally recognized. It took till 1948. But God did what He said He would do. He said He would restore the nation. Now that doesn't mean they still don't have problems. But He did what He said He was going to do. You may not... What happens if Brother DeCasey, you outlive the promise? Or the promise outlives you? See we would love for it to be like, oh, well I outlive the promise, meaning whoo God promised it, I saw it come to fruition. What if you die and never see the promise? That doesn't mean God didn't still promise it, or that He's not going to fulfill it. You might not see it. the promise may outlive you, but you cannot say God failed on the promise. I'm reminded of the lady. the prophet of God came, her and her husband had built a chamber for her in the house. We talked about it like two years ago when we were talking about a series called "The Room." And I talked to a message. some of you will probably remember it, as soon as I say the title, there's still one in the chamber. And I talked about that there was one, when her, she, God promised her a son, prophet God said, we live on and the servant of God said, I think she wants a child, and so he called her back and said, you'll have a this time of life, she said, oh man of God, I'm past that age, I can't do that. Fullness of time, she had a son, the son grew up, a couple years went down the road, sister Brenda, he went out into the field to see his daddy, and see what he was doing, he was out there hanging out with his daddy, just the two boys hanging outside, he got a heat stroke, And he died. His daddy took him inside and handed him him to his mama's arms. And he died. You remember what the Bible says? The Bible says she didn't freak out. You know what she did? She laid him in the prophet's chambers. And she walked up into that chambers and she said, God, you promised me this child. I didn't ask for him. I didn't beg you for him. You said this was your child. And she summoned her servants and said get me a horse we're going to find the man of God who promised me the child when the Bible said she got to him she asked that the man of God yelled out how are the servant of the man of God I said how is it and she said all is well but where's the man of God he said well, what kind of head she said, I didn't come to talk to you because you weren't the one that made the promise I came to talk to God because God spoke through a man and I want to speak through the mouth to be the God I don't need to deal see sometimes in life we got to bypass all the other people that likes to talk sometimes you got to say you have talked enough you're negative Nancy and you're you know you're just a, a bitter old hag and you're just a depressing son I I got time to talk to you I need to talk to somebody else who's going to get one through for me and she got to the prophet of God he asked how is it she said all is well and she said what can I do she said my son is dead and he said, what do you, oh, he said take my staff she said no 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 you don't understand you the one that promised it. I don't want your servant coming. I don't want you to pray from a distance. You're going to get on your horse. You're going to ride back into town with me. And you're going to go up there and pray for my son. Because this is you the one that got me in this mess. She she had not forgotten what God had said that he was going to do. The prophet of God went on there. Laid on top of that boy. Didn't work. Laid on top of the boy. Didn't work. Seven times he laid on him and prayed for him. On the seventh time. That boy started sneezing seven times in a row and woke up. What am I telling you? That sometimes your promise, you might outlive your promise. But that does not mean God did not still fulfill the promise that he gave you. Marriage supper. Jesus is standing there Mary comes and says we have no wine. Now Jesus gets really bold and he says that's not my problem mom. Now I know most people wouldn't probably talk to their mom like that but Jesus literally says that's, that's not my fault. I don't know why, why that's my problem. You don't need me. I'm not the one running down the Publix. So I didn't. I didn't. I'm not the one in charge of this thing. See, sometimes in our lives, we don't realize it, but Jesus is in the room. But we fight, but we have to realize somebody in the room needs to summon him and tell him we need his help. Sometimes. I wonder how many church services across this land Jesus walks into the building and sits down on the back row, but Brother calls it. Nobody ever invites him in the door. He's there. He's got all power, but nobody asked for his help. They already figured out that they could do it without him, so they didn't ask for his help. They were just sitting there, just doing their own thing, going through status quo or going through whatever. So here's what happens. Mary, she says, Jesus says, it's not my problem. Mary immediately turns around and says, like she didn't even hear it. It was like she ignored it. She turns around, looks at the servant and says, now whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And she walks off. The, on, the unmitigated gall of Mary to literally be like, yeah, yeah, I'm not even entertaining that foolishness. Whatever he says to do, you do it. And walks off. I mean, that's what my mom would do. I'd be like, mom, I'm, that's not really my problem. I don't, I don't do that. And she'd turn around and she'd be like, yeah, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And walk off. I'd be like, what the world? That's what she, my mom would do the same thing. It was like Mary had no, like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not even, inter- you talk foolish. I ain't even entertaining that joke. But nobody in the story knew what Mary knew. Because all the way back from the beginning of time, let me tell you how I know this. In the hillside country of Judea, there was a young teenage girl. I don't know if she was cleaning house, what she was doing, but she was by herself. And an angel of the Lord appeared to her. And he said, Blessed and highly favored art thou, Mary, among all women. God has seen you and he's chosen you to carry his only son. She said, how is that possible? I've never been with anybody to be able to have children. He said, don't worry. The power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will bring forth the Son. You will call His name Emmanuel. That means God among us, or God with us. And you know her words were, be it unto me according to your word. Joseph finds out about it, wants to break up with her. Angel appears to him, they work all their differences. The baby is born. Shepherds show up. Baby turns about two. Wise men show up and bring gifts. Baby turns, well, about a week old. Let me back up a little bit. About a week old. Baby goes to the temple. Gets prayed over by Simeon and Anna. But multiple times at the end of each of those stories, you will hear this phrase. And Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. You know what that Bible is really saying? She categorizes. She, categorized them. she she made them a memory book. She may not have had a picture like we take pictures or we put it in a, in a scrapbook. But Mary made mental snapshots of every one of those moments in her heart. She pondered when Simeon said a spear will go through your heart. But it will be to save the nation. She pondered that in her heart. She knows God. said She would. if anybody knew Jesus was immaculately conceived by the Holy Spirit, Mary knew it. Everybody else could assume it, but Mary knew it. It was God's power that did that. So when she's standing there with her 30-year-old, beaming from ear to ear, sun-kissed tanned, you know, beautiful son that's her firstborn that, you know, every mother thinks their children are so pretty and beautiful. When she's standing there staring at her son eyeball to eyeball, nobody else in the room may know it, but Mary knew he can do it. I don't care what he just said. I know what God said. He can do it. God told me he was going to save the nations. God told me he was the son of God. If there's anyone in this room that can get the job done, he's the man for the job. He can get it done. Can I tell you that even 2022 that we're living in today, Joe Biden will not get it done. I'm sorry. Donald Trump will not get it done. Even if he might do some things we like or don't like or, or other people do things we don't they're not going to get it done. The White House, the Congress, the Senate, the House of Representatives—they're not going to get it done. But I'm telling you, if there's ever been somebody that can ever get the job done, it is Jesus Christ. He can save the lost son or daughter. He can convict the wayward heart. He can restore the year that the canker's worm and the lotus worm is eaten. He can be a redeemer of the time. He can make the plowman overtake the reaper. If there's ever been a time before, if we've ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now. If there's ever been one that can get the job done we got the answer the name is Jesus Christ that's the man that'll get the job done he'll get it done he'll get it done now listen to what happens Mary says whatever he does you do do it Jesus goes in his mind you got to be kidding me right I just said I'm not ready for this you know there are some times in our lives that we feel like we're not ready for the assignment God has put us in. But if God called you, God will equip you. In fact, God doesn't, quali- doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. There is a distinct difference. God doesn't always need Ph.D. students to do the job. He just needs someone who's just willing and He'll make them look like they're a Ph.D. student of heaven. God doesn't always, there have been some of the greatest preachers of the gospel that didn't even get out of high school with a diploma. I mean men, all throughout history, men and women who have been great orators of the word of God. And it's all hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. And they didn't have a doctorate degree. But they knew Jesus. And that made all the difference in the world because you can have a PhD and feel like you've arrived but that does not substitute for the anointing but I'm telling you you can't have not you could barely have got out of high school and had to pray that God would let somebody round up the number to let you walk across the graduation stage at high school but I'm telling you if the anointing of God comes on your life you'll sound like something from another planet and another world you'll be from another dimension you may not have a PhD in theology but Lord you'll be able to ring the heavens rafters and you'll be able to convict the challenged heart and be able to to draw the wayward sinner in you don't always have to have some kind of theological degree or some, t- some long dissertation that you've written but if you know who Jesus is that's the only thing you've got to know is who God is and everything else will work itself out on your behalf let me finish with this but what about if you also are not only the bearer of failed plans and forgotten promises But what if your cup, your vial, is full of faithful prayers? How do you figure, Pastor? Because the Bible said, my prayers are stored up in vials in heaven that the Lord will one day pour out. You know when you pour something out, what it makes the cup empty? So heaven might be full right now, Sister Brenda, of a lot of prayers I've prayed over my life. Whether I outlive them or whether they outlive me, they will come a day. Whether it's for future children, current child, future family, right, whatever it may be. They'll come a day, Sister Bueller. That God will take that cup that I used to bear of faithful prayers. God, you've got to do this. God, you got to do this. Lord, I need you to do this. Lord. One day, God's going to take that cup, Brother Causey. He's going to pull back the shade of heaven. And He's just going to pour out those faithful prayers back down to earth. Now, the cup might be empty, but what it's pouring out has got good stuff inside of it. The Bible said, Jesus said this to them. He said, Go give me the six water pots that are sitting here. Go fill them up to the top, to the, to the rim. Those water pots would have held somewhere between 20 to 30 gallons of water. So you're talking about 120 to a potential 100, and, and uh, excuse me, 120 to, let's see, 180, somewhere between 120 and 180 gallons of water gallons not one gallon 120 to 180 gallons of water notice what jesus put the vessel was empty he put water in it but somehow it turned into wine because the bible says this we are just empty vessels in the hands of the master's use for the master's use Jesus told a woman sitting in a Sumerian well, I am the river of life, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You will never have to thirst again. If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink from the well of living water. Jesus equated Himself as the water. He, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word and the water. Jesus equated Himself as the water. So we're the empty vessel. He's got an empty vessel of this marriage. He puts water in it. That means himself. Because what happens is, Brother James, God's got to get all of us out so he can put all of himself in to the vessel. But when he puts himself in, something transformational happens. The Bible said it turned into wine. He said, scoop it out, take it to the master of the feast. Somewhere between the dipping process of water water. And the journey of faithful men or women taking it to the bridegroom or the governor. Of the, somewhere, some kind of transformational work took place before it got handed to the intended target. When you get saved and you clean out yourself and Jesus comes in, he does a transformational process. We call it Sanctification. But he cleans out all that junk inside of you so that all of himself can live inside of you. And he gets, he fills you up and he starts transforming the way you talk, walk, think. He changes it. But he had to go away. But listen to what he said. I will not leave you alone. But when I go, it is expedient that I go away. Because when I go away, I will send you another. A comforter. He'll be a teacher, a revealer of the word. He will be your companion your paraclete your right hand man he'll walk with you he'll talk with you and in Acts chapter 2 we saw the fruition of us in the Pentecostal faith we saw the fruition of the outpouring of that paraclete or that Holy Spirit in filling and indwelling in Acts 2 you know how Jesus described the Holy Spirit that a wine, can, new wine, cannot be put in old wineskins because it will cause the wineskins to burst but you have to have new wineskins. You know what the Apostle Paul said, old things must pass away and behold all things must become. So i got to have new wineskins, all things have to become new and the Bible equates the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord as the wine, the grape, off the grapevine, the wine, the, 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 the substance. So all of me is empty, the vessel at this wedding. Jesus the water of life pours into me but after he get done after he gets done doing his transformational work the bridegroom's tasting wine in his cup can I tell you that after we get saved and the spirit of the Lord Jesus puts all of himself in us and he pours that that raining, that, 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 that living water inside of us and Jesus does all the cleaning and washing out that somewhere along that way he'll send us a transformational helper called the Holy Spirit and when we start going out into the highways and byways compelling them to come the Bible says well I don't know what to say the Holy Spirit will remind me what I've studied the Holy Spirit will bring back to my remembrance the things which I've committed to Him the Holy Spirit will seal me until the day of redemption the Holy Spirit will with utterances and groanings interpret my prayers to heaven I'm telling you I don't know what you prayed for or what you're going through but if you get rid of all of what you need to get rid of out of your life and you let the living water come inside of your life when you start walking and talking and trying to do things there'll be a transformation that takes place that you cannot explain and the Holy Spirit will show up in the middle of a Walmart parking lot in the middle of a Target parking lot or in the middle of a church service when you least expect it he'll show up and people around you will say I've been to a lot of places and I've tasted a lot of things and a lot of people will save the best things for last but you brought out the, or saved the best things but you brought out the best of the best can I tell you the best service is not how many singers you have it's not how great the preacher is but some of the best services you'll ever be is when the spirit of an almighty God shows up and shows out in the middle of His people it doesn't sound like much but I'm telling you the best thing is when the Holy Ghost shows up inside of church you don't believe it you'll see sinners come to get saved because they'll be like look I've tasted wine I've been drunk before but I'm telling you there's something about this God that's different the bridegroom said I, most people give us the junk stuff the, the good stuff first get us wasted give us the junk you've saved the best for last can I tell you God never gives you junk He's only going to give you the best He gave you His best with His Son He gave you His best with the Holy Spirit and He's building you His best in the portals of glory God doesn't give you leftovers He gives you the best in fact the Bible said according to the law of Moses that God didn't even want them to live off of stale bread He made them get up every morning and go get fresh manna because He didn't want them to have leftover bread God doesn't do it half hearted He does it right every time the right way as as you make your way Here's what happens. The bridegroom says, he takes to the bridegroom and he says, This is the best thing I've ever tasted. Can I tell you that when you get a hold of Jesus, no matter how many failed plans you've had, no matter how many failed forgotten promises you've had, no matter how many days you feel like you're a bearer of an empty cup, if you keep praying, let God store them up as vials of heaven. When you need them, God will just start pouring them out. When you need it most, God will start pouring them out. And you say, oh, Pastor, I'm dry. I'm thirsty. I'm telling you the best thing that will ever happen in your life is when the Holy Spirit moves in and He takes over. I've met a lot of people that used to live in sin. Some that were drunks. Some were in my family. When they got saved, they got in a good spirit-filled service. They got drunk one time, but it wasn't on the wine of them. Or beer or alcohol of the world they got drunk with the Holy Spirit and it, it mimicked or it looked like someone who was three shades in the wind but when they came back to their, their senses they said I had never pastor felt something like that in my life that was some of the best feeling I, ooh, I wish I could experience that, that was some of the best things we have seen it, I remember one Sunday morning right here if I could put a piece of tape right here I'd mark it right here I asked for this church to have a special prayer for a stand-in for someone I didn't even know it but I called Ann Krause out of the back of a church I just thought I was picking a random name Sister I wasn't thinking I just said hey somebody's got a need can we have somebody just come and stand and I asked Miss Ann to stand right here where this piece of grass is at right now right there And I said, will you guys come help me pray for whatever the need was? I I don't, I can not even remember the need, but I remember the rest of the story, how it went down. What I didn't know, Sister Ann had been praying too, about she wanted to experience God in a new way. I didn't know. I didn't know. I just said, out of anybody, would she come? She thought, man, this pastor's real good. He must have heard my prayers with God. I had no idea. Didn't know. But God, he who begins to good work, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on Him, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your pathway straight. No. God, with the steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord. Stand right here. We began to pray. We were praying about somebody else. We weren't even praying for her. We were praying about somebody else's needs. And the Holy Spirit showed up she felt the Holy Spirit in a way she'd never experienced before I remember when I called her Monday morning you could hear the radiant joy on the other end of that phone when she said Pastor I ain't, I ain't felt this good in a lot. i never felt this good, law. I'm still feeling good, it's been 24 hours and she's still feeling the Lord he wasn't able to make it today due to a scheduling conflict but sitting about right here right about the same row Katrina and them sit on about three feet or so down there's a soon to be 34 year old man at the end of this month, Well, he just turned 34 actually a couple days ago that's a chaplain, studied to be a chaplain, Columbia, South Carolina 15 year old boy, I remember the service, I can take you to the spot in the Ridgeville Church of God I was playing the piano, kind of up on the stage, it's kind of similar to where Sister Carol is, but on a rising on a stage I can't tell you the song, I can't even tell you who was leading the song I can't tell you what we even were doing. But I remember the rest of the story. I'm like Paul Harvey, here's the rest of the story. We were playing and doing whatever. That 15 year old boy, Ridgeville's stage was kind of like an octagon kind of look, kind of rounded a little bit. We had diagonal rows with aisles and then a main center, center aisle. I was playing on this side, but about, he sat piano side of the church. For some reason he didn't come to the altar this side. He came to the altar on this side. Nailed down at the corner where the stage kind of bull-nosed around. He knelt there. Some of the other youth came and prayed with him, but nothing major at that point. Sister Brent had happened. Nothing major. I don't even know who it was that went over there. But he kept praying. Other people had come, prayed, left, went back to their seat. Come, prayed, went back to the seat. But he never got up. And I remember the day. I had never heard Andrew yell like that in my life. I had played sports with him. We'd played basketball together. I had seen him break bones. We had—I threw him off of a go kart and ran over him. We had done a lot of stuff that should have been a lot of screaming. We've wrecked cars. We've done it all. We're still here to tell about it too. But it was a different kind of noise I had never heard it before. It was so bad. I say bad good way, his dad, my dad, and me had to pick him up and lay him in the back seat of a car in a van and drive him probably from here to about where Walmart is, is, where their house was, carry him up the flight of stairs and lay him in his bed fully clothed because he was sister, so drunk with the spirit he could not even cognitively carry on a conversation with us. With his, his lips were quivering still, he couldn't even stand up on his own. If you'd have saw him, you'd have said somebody's laced him with something. He literally mimicked a drunk person. We laid him in that bed. His mama said she could hear him speaking in tongues all night long in his bedroom. She went down to her prayer closet. She lives in Georgia now. She did sort of, she went to her prayer closet and said, God, he goes to a school that ain't going to understand this. He goes to public school. He can't be speaking in tongues on the bus in the morning. they would probably hurt him. I can't let him beat him up when they think he's some got some demonic possession going on. God, you, I can't put him on a bus like that in the morning. He's still speaking in tongues. He comes downstairs. He said, "Whoo, thank, thank you, Jesus." He just coming down the stairs, still shouting, eating the cereal, shaking. He trying to eat cereal. She said, she, to this day, she said, uh, she said, we were talking about it not too long ago. She's like, I, I thought God, I can't put him on this bus. She's helping him walk down the stairs, he's still, whoo, glory, hallelujah, whoo, because something happened happen when God changes, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, the, the Lord will put the water in, but the Holy Spirit will transform it into something you have never tasted before. He's still shouting to the bus stop, y'all. The dust door opens up, his mama's standing there going, God, I'm, I can't do this, and I am telling you God's honest truth. Andrew put his foot, his mama tes- testifies this put his foot on the black part of the first step to walk in and as soon as his foot came off the ground it was like something in him flipped and he sat down and he was in rightness of mind when he got back home he literally stepped off the bus as soon as he stepped back in his property of his house as soon as he foot, he went to, Ooh, thank you Jesus and started shouting all the way back up to his bedroom God stopped it long enough for him to get on a bus but he still felt the Lord come on. I'm telling you, there are some things about the Holy Spirit. When you taste Him, you can't explain it. You don't know how to do it. But I'm telling you, it ain't never like, it's nothing like you've ever had before. And you'll be thanking God every day you have it. I'll tell you this last story. And then I'll, we'll go to prayer. I was serving as an associate pastor in Orangeburg, South Carolina. We had been praying for our students there for a while. And we had been praying, God, we need you to reveal. We, we felt like that. We were living in a day where where all our seniors had seen the power of God people had seen the spirit of the Lord moving but this next generation was rising up not knowing the Lord nor His mighty acts they hadn't seen the kind of things we had seen before growing up as kids and we were praying for them I had two little African American children well, they were children, they were teenagers at the time brother and sister Tabitha and J.C. Haltman I remember the Sunday morning Columbia Road has a kind of an octagon kind of stage 2 piano's on this side of the church Tabitha sat set second row on the left hand side stage right hand side if you're sitting in the audience I don't know who was singing don't know what we were singing don't even know what I was playing she got up from her pew and she came to the altar I can't tell you even who prayed for her but I can tell you all of a sudden I heard a a, a shout like I had almost like a war cry that's how I described it to somebody after the service I said it was like she was fighting a war all you heard, and I'm not going to do it because I don't want to blow you out of here, but I mean, you heard a shout like a voice of triumph. I, 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 that's the closest thing I think I could ever imagine what it sounded like on the day of Jericho, marching around Jericho's walls a shout like I had never heard and she cut a jig She, we had altar benches in there I, she had her eyes closed she literally danced around the entire altar never tripped never even hit the altar bench never even came close shouted her way backwards all the way down an aisle came all the way back down up front with her eyes closed there's no way you couldn't even hardly done that with your eyes open that good but she was navigating her way all across that stage and she and ever since that day she was a changed person not too long after that her dad came down with pancreatic cancer and he died at right on the day we were having our Easter production died on the day of that young lady showed up at 6.45 production started at 7 she said pastor my dad wouldn't want me to give up on God I mean her dad just died I mean just at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon they haven't even went to the funeral she walked him and she played her part ironically enough a spirit filled girl was playing the part of Satan in the production I know that's a conflict of interest but she was the best one we ever had and she was good at it and she played that part and she played that she walked in there tears streaming down her face waiting to get on stage but she did that part and and I can't tell you how many I can't remember if it was 30 or 20 or how many but I remember it was double digits of people raised their hand when the pastor gave the invocation that night and gave their heart to Jesus Christ because of faithfulness like that we made her father's funeral arrangements tore down the service the the uh, the the stuff down at the end of the production had the funeral service not too long after that I think it was about a year a year later her mom came down with pancreatic cancer before that girl even got out of college before her brother ever got out of college in their mid 20s about 23 24 years old both of them were now parentless having to defend she was down in Miami Florida doing her doctorate degree and her brother was here in South Carolina in Orangeburg working and she eventually finished up got to do it online or something came back home to him and to this day she still goes to Columbia Road She still sings in that choir. She still shouts across that stage She's I don't have mamas and daddies to celebrate Christmas with but she's got a heavenly father That's got her by her hand and she still walks with her and he talks with her and he tells her that's his own I'm telling you you may be a bearer of an empty cup and you may feel like your life is a bunch of failed plans and forgotten promises but if you commit it unto the Lord when He pours it out He'll transform it into something you've never had before and you'll experience God in like a way you've never had Him before either when you stand all over the house tonight Heavenly Father I thank you today God I have done my best today to preach your word declare your word to your people. God, you're good. You're great and greatly to be praised. Father, I don't know what man, woman, boy or girl under the sound of my voice tonight, what they're facing. But I know a God who's able to meet the need according to the riches of Christ Jesus. Father, I pray when we leave this place, the Shekinah glory of God will go with us. If, even if there's someone with the bearer bear of failed promises or forgotten promises and failed plans, God, if they'll just keep remaining faithful to praying and seeking your face, there will come a day you'll pour it out. They might feel like they're a bearer of an empty cup, but Lord, what you pour out will be better than anything they've ever tasted. When they draw out from their, their empty vessel the river of living water and they begin to sup the word of the Lord and sup the river of living water there'll be a transformation that takes place that only the Holy Spirit can do and He'll do something supernatural that we cannot accomplish on our own merit but because you are God you're God So, Father we get ready to leave this place let it be not a night where we just forget about you. But Lord, we are here to serve you. Guide us. Protect us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you dismiss, let me sing this. Can you go back to the first part
1: of this? Lord, will you fill my cup, Lord? Lord, will you fill my cup, Lord? Only he can do it. Lord, I live.
0: let me say to you tonight may the lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you be gracious to you lift up his countenance towards you and give you the peace of god that surpasses all human understanding and may the words of your mouth and mind and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in the sight of god our rock and our redeemer and we commit this to him in jesus name i'm going to ask brother randy Erchberger. Pray our benedictory prayer immediately following you. Consider yourselves to miss all those joining online. God bless you. We love you. Until next time, may the Lord bless you.